Welcome to Outwit Outplay Outpod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 44, Episode 8, Don't Get Cocky, Kid. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? We need to retire the Nightmarish Net challenge. I think this is one of the few challenges left in Survivor where it's blatantly clear that body mass gives you just a direct advantage. I feel like I've seen for now three seasons now, if your broadness and sheer math isn't where it needs to be, getting out of that net is a nightmare. And I feel like Survivor always prides itself on, well, we're lowering the physical bar so that you can grab it to account for your height or we're making certain pieces skinnier or wider um, depending on the width of your extremities and this is one of the few challenges that cannot be adapted um, for different folks' body types and people with low body mass often the women they're tangled in that net and there's no getting out I agree with this fire take. Literally, it's funny you say that because as we were watching the episode, I was saying out loud to Nina that this net is my literal nightmare. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going somewhere different. I think that you're totally spot on. And I didn't think about the sort of physical uh, diversities being a factor in the feasibility of the challenge. I think it is a panic attack waiting to happen. Oh, absolutely. Like if I thought Carolyn was not going to be okay and was going to, like if I were her, I would have started screaming, Jeff, cut me out, cut me out, you know? Like it's too, I'm already a little bit claustrophobic. So getting caught in net like that is just not, while you're covered in mud and it's probably like getting in your mouth, it's just like, no. Right, why? And they leave so dirty. That would be what got me, like the net plus the sensory of being a little slick in the mud like that would send me over the edge on day 14 of no food (laughs) it would overwhelm my little monkey brain i I totally agree Uh, my fire take this week is that the first step of my evil plan aka my power rankings has come true and it came true this episode tika is taking the wheel and they are playing it right playing it perfect carson jam jam and carolyn are brilliant. I mean, the way in which they are now in a position where they can play the big dogs, Soka and Ratu, against each other and control the, the fate of the dogs. game. Yeah, they're the big dogs. Uh, and these are the three little stooges who are shepherding the game exactly as they would like, exactly as I predicted. We're going to dig into this a little bit more later, but I think the way they handled the vote at Tribal Council was further proof that they know how to control the game while remaining covert about their intentions and their strategy. So I'm looking forward to see the rest of that play out. And with that, Kayla, why don't you take us into the recap for this week's episode? Absolutely. So we open back at camp. Carson is vomiting. Franny's looking devastated. And Yam Yam, Jam Jam is just blessed to see another day. They're sitting on the beach and Kane is feeling incredibly good. He wins the title when he says his survivor mantra, don't get too cocky, kid. The castaways then go and receive a tree mail announcing their first immunity challenge where only one immunity necklace will be up for grabs and the race will be run in teams. Let the challenge of the nightmarish net begin. They pair up schoolyard pick style 
Every leg of the relay is an elimination, and the final two pairs then fight as individuals for a chance to win immunity. And the final four balancing on that sliver of wood were Lauren, Danny, Brandon, and Kane. And our winner is Lauren, which I am a biased host, and I am so excited about it. Back at camp, there's a couple of plans rolling around before tribal. Plan A, led by Kane and Brandon, Rachu, who are four castaways strong, could pull in Tika and have an easy vote against Ahsoka member. They're going for Franny and had nothing but kind and wonderful things to say about her being both a mental and physical threat. Plan B was led by Danny and Heidi, where the Soka three plus the Tika three would work together to form a six person strong majority. And to seal the deal, Danny says he'll play his hidden idol to save Franny and take out Brandon instead. The wild cards in these plans are Jam Jam, who's nervous about taking out one of the people who just kept him in the game and is thinking about telling Ratu about Danny's hidden immunity idol. Another wild card is Carson, who's worried about making enemies earlier in the merge. But Tribal ends with a beautiful blindside where Soka plus Carolyn and Carson put their votes on Brandon. Ratu plus Jam Jam put their votes on Franny, but every single Franny vote is nullified when Danny plays his idol for her, sending Brandon home. All right, Kayla. Well, this uh, episode starts with something we were both very much looking forward to, which was the fallout from the previous week's emotional journey of a tribal council. Uh, you know, headline news here. First, let's go to Franny. Uh, she is distraught. She is not in a good place. What did you make of that? She looks like a shell of herself. She is typically bright, vibrant. My girl found her coziest knit sweater and said, please don't talk to me this episode. And honestly, I understand her. I understand her. Times were tough. Yeah. And I'm glad the episode didn't like make the whole thing about how Franny was feeling. Um, but you could tell even when that wasn't the subject of conversation. Like, I just feel like there was a different quality to Franny's expression and her face and just the way in which she seemed like sort of tired. Because we've talked about how shrewd of a player mm -hmm. she was. And there was just a little bit of a glaze there where I feel like she was not on sort of the balls of her feet as we've known her to be during the rest of the game. Agree. Uh, you sort of, I feel like, anticipated last this last week because we were talking about our approach to reward feasts and the implications for our <laughs> sweet little digestive systems. Um, Carson pays the price big time, throwing up, having the worst night of his life. He was not doing so hot there. Carson would be me. This is like my worst fear on Survivor, and there are many things that keep me personally from ever throwing my hat into the Survivor ring, but number one is just that hot girls have tummy troubles, and I would be Survivor in the bushes every day. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my little Ashkenazi digestive system, I think, would not fare well on Survivor either. So I sympathize with the guy. Interesting that he was the only one throwing up. So I don't think it's like a food poisoning, everyone ate something bad situation. It's just Carson's digestive system is unique, much like every player of Survivor is unique, and he paid the price. Carson, do you think that there would ever be people you didn't know discussing your digestive system on the internet? Let us know, write in. <laughs> you really have to bury your whole <laughs> life and your whole true self when you go on Survivor. Uh, so feel for you, buddy. Uh, then I want to get to Heidi. We 
had a lot of critical things to say last week about the choice Heidi made with her use of the control the vote advantage. Here, Heidi sort of gives her side of the story. She says that her goal one was to not upset anyone and to make an enemy. So she chose to control Lauren's vote in part knowing that she had the extra vote advantage. So if she had uh, actually stumbled into disrupting Lauren's plan, there would be sort of another way in which Lauren would be able to realize her goal. So I don't know, like, were you feeling like this sort of accounted for, did it excuse the choice she made last week? I think it's fine. It's turning out fine. She got what she wanted in that I don't think this is going to be something that jury members would potentially celebrate. I think it's true. I don't think she made any particular enemies from this vote. Um, So it worked, but I I just don't know that this was her best move. I wanted a world where Jam Jam and Matt team up and the rest of Soka is like knows that they're going to band together to f- fight the Ratu strong um and that she took Brandon's vote and put it on himself and I don't know it could have just been way more exciting and way more heroic and this is not what I want from Heidi still but like I get you girl yeah I think the matrix of possibilities was admittedly really complex but Ultimately, to win Survivor, to be the sole Survivor, you have to build a resume. And Heidi's sort of, the the modality she took here in making the decision was all about not making any ripples and not upsetting people. And ultimately, I think that's a thesis that might carry you to Final Three, but it's not a thesis that carries you to the title of sole Survivor. 100% agree. What begins to take shape here, though, is I think a new dynamic that I'm curious to see how long it ends up de- defining the rest of the series. It's the Ratu versus Soka showdown with Tika in the middle. It's interesting because I feel like in recent seasons of Survivor, previous tribe alliances before the merge have become less and less salient. Like pre in early Survivor, it was all about That's like, all you needed. Yeah, and get it, your numbers to the merge. And it was sort of boring sometimes because if you had the numbers in the merge, then like you just voted out the other tribe. So it's been good that it's sort of had this shift. But now we're getting these really salient tribal boundaries between Ratu and Soka with Tika sort of covertly in the middle, honestly running shit, at least for now. We'll see. We'll see if they can do that all the way to the million dollars. Isaac um, is the number one fangirl. Three Stooges. Three Stooges. Three Stooges. It's, it's awesome because like two of my three, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I think my three favorite characters are Tika. Because I was going to say two of the three with Carolyn and Jam Jam, who I feel like are obvious, but I love Carson. I don't know. Jam Jam's Carson. moving a little funny these days, but we'll get to that. Okay, okay. More <laughs> on that later. All right, folks. Okay, so at the top of the episode, I went ahead and slandered the nightmarish net, but I actually do love when they run the race in pairs. Isaac, tell me how you feel about the schoolyard pick. The schoolyard pick was kind of interesting because it created the whole dynamic with Carson is sick. What are you going to do? And Lauren says that she hasn't eaten in days, so she's feeling particularly weak, which ultimately set up a sort of like David and Goliath story later on. So I was okay with the pairs. I'm not as big a fan of when they split into groups because I feel like the sort of purity of the post-merge individual immunity challenge is lost. But the pairs I'm okay with, and I'm glad ultimately it led to a situation where four people were competing against one another as individuals. 
Um, what really caught my attention <laughs> this challenge were two of the more awkward moments, I feel like, of the season. Oh, my God. So I hesitate to even describe this. It's really not sort of my kind of humor. Um, but Danny has a little moment here where he pranks Jeff. He says, hey, Jeff. And Jeff is like, hey, Danny. And then he lets one go. And a Jeff little toot. A little toot. Jeff, Jeff can't help but give a giggle. Was that, was that landing for you as a little, a little humorous moment there? Um, I just didn't know what was going on because he was like, hey, Jeff. And I thought we were here for like another negotiation. I thought Danny was going to whip out his own papaya of peace and be like, let me off this little sliver. And instead, um, that's not what we received. But I think Jeff liked it. I think this actually is in Jeff's lane of humor. And he was received well. Yeah, if 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 we had the papaya piece last episode, I think here we had the uh, the toot of trust. <laughs> Can you give me <laughs> something more alliterative than that? Anyway, moving on. Uh, and the, the other awkward moment that I wanted to flag here was I I didn't I didn't catch it immediately, but then I sort of went back and watched. So when Lauren wins, first of all, she's like on one. She's yeah, like, where she's am like I? best day of my life. Yes, I yeah. am. The superstar. Give I am Sasha Fierce. Yeah, it was great. Um, Jeff sort of moves to put the immunity necklace around her, and Lauren thinks that he's going in for the hug, and so <laughs> she hugs him, and Jeff sort of receives it, and then Lauren realizes what she's done, and she's like, oh my god, I thought you were trying to hug me. And, and Jeff plays it off in the way only he can, and he's like, that's okay, I'll hug bring you. Bring it in. Yeah, bring it on in. So he sort of rescued her there, but I live for these little, like, awkward moments, especially involving Jeff, because everyone ultimately is always fangirling over Jeff, and so you get sweet little moments like these. I loved it. I was like, now that you're describing it moment after moment, that is exactly what happened, but in real time, I was euphoric right alongside Lauren. I'm like, she has her immunity necklace. She has a little hug from Jeffy Jeff. Like, what a great day to be Lauren. Yeah. Uh, and Lauren racks up here uh, an, an immunity idol win, which is good for her resume and uh, probably good for her confidence. She was not feeling sure. She said explicitly she did not expect to win an immunity challenge at all during her Survivor experience. So this was icing on the cake for her. I have part two of my challenge thought. This thought is brand new. Okay. So I'm going to say it out loud and see how it's received. Maybe this challenge is set up this way on purpose. Hear me out. So you have the net, which is specifically good for people who are broad, as we discussed. But then it ends with the foot sliver competition. And I think Brandon went down because his feet were too big and the little blocks did not account for it. So do we think it's meant to force the big people to the end and then have them struggle the most? So I didn't bring it up earlier, but are we sure about the breath equals easier net escape? Because isn't there another school of thought that would be like, it's easier for a minnow to slip through a net than a shark? But they never do. Oh, so you're saying just like on the basis of your watching oh, experience. Oh, yeah, solely haven't... on me watching Survivor. Okay, well, then I trust it. Okay, that's an interesting thought. Like you're kind of saying that like the challenge might have been designed to like force out a certain sort of type, quote unquote, of Survivor. And then ultimately like the survivors who were rewarded by that stage of the challenge might have been punished at the end. Yeah, maybe there's a certain poetry here that Jeff Probst and the producers have created for us. Okay, producers, write in. Yeah. <laughs> The survivor engineering continues to be something I'm absolutely fascinated by. We'd love to have you, one of you on the pod at some point. Uh, and we can sit down, have a, have a nice, little, nice little chat. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Kayla, so that brings us to the pre-tribal strategy shenanigans. As we mentioned earlier, the clear dynamic here is Ratu versus Soka, to the point where like it never even seems to cross anyone's mind to vote out a member of Tika, and it's clearly just a race for who can win over uh, the Tika tribe in the middle. Um, so one of the interesting choices I think that was made is Danny decides to go ahead and tell Heidi that he is an immunity idol and that at this tribal, he plans to play it to protect Franny. Do you think he made the right choice there? I think yes. I think this is going to solidify Soka in a way that they weren't solidified before. Like, I think Ratu actually did want to play as a group. I think Tika kind of has to, and so there's no forcing function there. But I think Soka was the tribe that was most likely to have some flip-floppers among them, and I think this really made them play as a team. Okay, yeah, I like that take. What does end up happening is that without Danny's authorization, Heidi goes ahead and tells Jam Jam and Carson that Danny has an idol and that he plans to play it for Franny. Danny reacts to this news very negatively. It seems like he's cool. What's interesting to me is that he seems totally cool with Carson with Carson knowing, knowing. Yeah, but like Jam Jam, I guess, do you think he just views him as like a wild card or doesn't quite know where he stands? I think after Jam Jam got saved by the entire Ratu tribe, everyone is looking at him a little funny. What I did notice is that typically they still think Carolyn and Jam Jam are a pair. They do not really think that about Carson. They think Carson is like his own person. And I'm not even sure how strongly they're still associating him with Tika. Like I kind of think that they view him as a Soka member and that's why he was cool with it. I think you're totally right. And I think it speaks to Carson's strength in the game. He doesn't have the fact that he is viewed as a player who's accessible and open for business, but doesn't come with a in a duo that might give people pause is really huge for him. And if Tika ends up making it pretty far, even potentially to the final tribal, I feel like that will be a very effective tool for him. The fact that he sort of stood alone on his own two feet, whereas a Carolyn and Jam Jam ultimately had to rely on each other and lean back and forth on one another to advance in the game. Um, I'm wondering if Danny and Heidi will have any sort of bad blood between them as a result of this. I kind of think that the necessity of the game's dynamics right now will mean they have no choice but to work together. Exactly. To continue to sort of like try and overthrow Ratu. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Anything that else you wanted to talk about at Tribal before we get to uh, the vote count of it all? Would you have given away your idol like that? Yeah, okay, good point. Right. That's the, that's the thing <laughs> that's we should the really crux discuss. Of the, issue. the crux of the issue is did Danny make the right move? Um, Okay, so... Actually, Dan I have a lot of questions. Did Danny... Would you have played your idol? Since when are Danny and Franny, like, a pair worth fighting for? Like, this all kind of came out of left field to me. Yeah, okay. So the the pro case for Danny playing this idol is Ratu is coming. You got to move fast so they don't seize control of the game and have a huge lopsided majority. Danny and Franny were both on Soka, and so that is the unit that they are trying to protect. So I think that from the perspective of disrupt, disrupting Ratu's domination of the game, it was a very smart move. 
the other the the sort of only question I'm left with is, does it ever make sense to play your idol for someone else? Like I think it probably does in certain situations. This might have been one of them, but Danny knew that the votes were not coming his way. So he could have felt very safe keeping his idol in his own pocket and just having it another day. And ultimately, an idol in your pocket is guaranteed life in the game. So do you want to keep that as an asset? On balance, I think I'm okay with this move. How about you? I'm okay with it because he's such a challenge threat that I'm like, the likelihood of you winning at least one or two immunities is pretty likely. I do think this will like be a big baller move if you get to the end and have this on your resume because it really did slow up Ratu's momentum. Um, and it also just showed like a kind heartedness that I guess I just didn't expect from Danny where he was like, I'll play the idol for you, Franny. And Franny starts crying. And I was like, Danny, I thought you were going to go meathead with Brandon. And now you've turned, you've turned on him. So like what a change in dynamic from that little luncheon with Carolyn and Brandon just a few days ago. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. So I, I think Danny made a good move. I think, you know, there's other idols and advantages out there. So there's going to be opportunity for people to find more. Now that I think about it, the real error of this episode stems from Kane's comment, which ends up get being the title of the episode, Don't Get Cocky, Kid. Because ultimately, like, Ratu of their own volition decided to share with Heidi and Danny that they were targeting Franny. And what's so strange about it to me is I feel like, especially in The New Survivor, there is such a cognizance of the fact that there are idols and immuni idol, immunity idols out there and weird advantages, like... They didn't need them as numbers. So to tell them exactly where the votes are going, and it didn't even seem to occur to them that they might, you know, be giving the enemy information that, you know, should an idol be played would backfire and blow up in their face. So it was sort of like the lack of game awareness from Brandon and Kane and the Ratu tribe that really stands out to me there. Can I just say shocker? Brandon and Kane? Lack of awareness? Hmm. Yeah, you're loving that this whole episode is named after like <laughs> mocking Kane. Kane, basically. you were working that man bun though. Yeah, yeah, the Kane, we gotta give some love <laughs> on the do. Really nice work, Kane. Don't hide that thing from us. We wanna see it every episode now. <laughs> the other thing I have to say is has less to do with strategy and more just like Matt and Franny. Like Ugh, Matt and Franny, like the course of true love never did run smooth. Like first they were tragically on the opposite sides of this group breakout that leads to them not being able to communicate as Matt is voted off. Now they're on either side of the impermeable barrier of jury and remaining survivor. They can only communicate with little facial expressions and winks, but stealing glances. Yeah, we are kind. Of, I'm glad. I'm bummed that Matt went home, but the fact that we're going to get so much silent communication at tribal between Franny and Matt, and potentially if Franny doesn't make it to the end, them sort of like holding hands with the jury. Like I'm really looking forward to that. Just adding a little lightness to tribal. Do you know what I thought? And I was like this will totally mess up my power rankings and I don't actually mean it, but I was like, send Franny home tonight so that it could be just her and Matt on Ponderosa. They can share some pina coladas and just like go about their business. Um, I want Franny to win in at least today I do. So yeah, we like Franny here. Okay. Well with that, why don't we go to the vote count? Because it was super interesting how this one turned out. So voting for Franny to reiterate, we had Brandon, Lauren, Kane, and Jamie, all Ratu members, as well as Jam Jam and Carson. And then voting for Brandon, we had Carolyn, Danny, 
Franny, and Heidi. So members of the Three Stooges were actually on opposite sides of this vote. What did you make of that, Kayla? I wasn't shocked. I was like, Jam Jam and Carson were acting so fishy this entire time. Carson, I actually thought this was like not a very astute move from him. Um, which maybe he's trying to continue to keep his Soka um, ties a little ambiguous and his Tika ties a little ambiguous. So he's like, let me throw a card in the Ratu lane just to keep things even. Jam Jam, I think feels he completely owes his life into Ratu. I think he's a little tired um, of Carolyn. And I think down the line, we could see one of those, I'm tired of being seen as a duo with Carolyn. Like, I don't want to seem like I'm carrying her. I can totally, I'm starting to sense that energy from him. Um, and it just shows that I think Carolyn actually has the best, uh, the best sense of the game because she's on what I believe to be the right side of the vote. <laughs> yeah, so... You sort of gestured at this. I I think I have a slightly different take, which is that I think that this is to was all totally planned by the Three Stooges as a group. You're giving them so much credit. I'm telling you, like, because <laughs> ultimately you. I'm not giving them all credit. I'm giving Carson credit because we all know that he's the one who organized this. I think what happened here is jam jam and carson wanted the opportunity to pretend to be shocked by the fact that danny played his idol so it doesn't seem like they're too close to soka aka they have burnt no bridges as a result of this tribal council ratu still thinks that they're with him and even probably more importantly the fact that jam jam and carson are on a different side of the vote than carolyn does means smoke that screen. yeah it's a smoke screen it means that <laughs> no one knows that the three stooges are really behind the scenes sort of wizard of ozing and running the game so i thought this was brilliant this is the reason that I, my fire take was what it was that this notion that the three stooges controlling the game were beginning to see it happen i thought they were so brilliant because they not only made a move they hit they covered their tracks i fell for it according yeah. to this according <laughs> to this take but you according think to this take. you think i'm giving them a little too much credit you could get me on Carson and Carolyn getting together and being like, Carson being like, I'm going to go over there. I'm not sold that Jam Jam is is as tight with the three of them. I don't know. I think he is just starting to get a little, a little paranoid, a little um, wanting to roll with, with the big boys. And I don't know, maybe... Yeah, well, once again, I feel like I'm really looking forward to the aftermath of Tribal um, next week that we get to see. Because I, I hope, I think, <laughs> that one of us will be proven wrong and one of us will be proven right. And we'll have to offer each other victory or defeat in the spirit of the papaya of peace. But yeah, I, I think the Three Stooges are not as stoogy as they appear. They're not as stoogy as they appear. So we'll see. We'll see. I also want to shout out one of the best like walkout lines i feel like in survivor history which was brandon going they came for the shooter and they got him <laughs> and i was in hysterics <laughs> what does that even mean I, don't know. I have no idea what that meant i did right that the reason i didn't bring it up because i was like was i is that a reference to something that i'm supposed to understand i have no idea what it's a reference toward like I loved it. It made no sense, but he said it with such zeal and confidence and then left. I guess he's just sort of like bigging himself up he's like he was. bigging himself up on his way out the door. Yeah, I guess so. 
All right. Well, anything else from this episode you wanted to discuss before we get to our little uh, power rankings update? Give us the power rankings. All right, folks. So after the first tribal council last week where Matt was voted out, neither Kayla or I was awarded any points. Um, But according to the point system we identified, this week we have a little bit of action. So Kayla, you had ranked Brandon as ninth, the ninth place survivor in your predictions. He was actually voted out 10th. And I hate to break it to you, but... I nailed it. I got it exactly Ugh. right. On the money, Brandon voted out 10th. Uh, so right now the scoreboard is Isaac has three points, Kayla has two, but effectively this is neck and neck. And I think what ultimately is going to decide the fate of this is whether the three Stooges end up running the game. If the three Stooges end up running the game, I'm feeling very good about my chances because I have all three of them in the top four final survivors. This is going to end up like every bracket I've ever been in where they're like, Kayla has negative two points, but thank you so much for playing. (laughs) Um, But all I can say is I'm coming for the shooter, so... You never See you know. next week. You never know with Merge Madness. Uh, the craziness, I'm sure, is still ahead of us, and we're. I remain really excited about this season. I think this episode was a bit of a, a transition episode, and I think we all needed a breather after the emotional ro- roller coaster of episode seven. So I'm fine with that. I'll take my filler. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. All right, folks. Well, don't forget to uh, rate us five stars on your favorite podcasting app. Feel free. The inbox is wide open. Send us your fanfire takes at outwit, outplay, outpod at gmail.com. Folks, the tribe has spoken, and so have we. Mm-hmm.